We'll intervene whenever we decide it's in our national security interest to intervene. And if you don't like it, lump it. The problem with America is not that we go around marauding around the world imposing ourselves. Mm. The problem with America in the last 10, 15 years since the end of the Cold War, really in the last 60 years, is that we've been too slow to get involved. I don't know how many Iraqi civilians were killed, but I can assure you that the number is the absolute minimal that it's possible uh, in modern warfare. Every nation in every region now has a decision to make. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. Now, that land over there is yours. You'll go back to it one day because your fight will prevail and you'll have your homes and your mosques back again because your cause is right and God is on your side. Welcome to the Darkened Hour. Okay, Adam, so there's new Saudi files come to light that present further evidence for a wider Saudi complicity in 9-11. Now, we already know some of that story, but you've been looking at what's emerged recently. So maybe pick up wherever you feel is logical to do so on these developments. Well, this uh, latest batch of files have come from the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation under an executive order 14040 authorized by uh, President Joe Biden on September 3rd, 2021, uh, in which Biden basically released unclassified files in batches And so this latest batch of files came two weeks after the U.S. uh, delegation that visited Saudi Arabia in regards to production of more oil, in which they declined. And I thought this was conveniently uh, timing because uh, on um, March 14th, only one publication reported on this rather remarkable story, and it was Mike Kelly of NorthJersey.com in which uh, the headliner is uh, new FBI documents link Saudi spy in California to 9-11 attacks. And when I read the article, to my amazement, it was a 510-page cachet of the Pent Bomb investigation and the Operation Encore, which was uh, after Pent Bomb, about additional Saudi financing into the uh, Saudi operatives who were involved with the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks, mainly the uh, hijacking of American Airlines Flight 77. Yeah, that's the one that went into the Pentagon, hence the Pent Bomb investigation. Right, right. Yeah, so I I immediately tried to read the files as fast as I could. It's 510 pages long, and it's also on the FBI's website. Um, And it was some of the files basically illuminated what I had already thought was the, uh, what was going on. But for the first time, we now have actual names of a Saudi prince and a company uh, that basically was funding an, an intermediary in California, Omar Bayumi, to two 9-11 hijackers who were longtime Al-Qaeda uh, operatives in Khalid, Sheikh Maha, uh, Khalid al-Midar and Wafa Hadmi. One, one batch of files, uh, which um, is interesting in its own right, is in regarding to Omar al-Bayoumi and his connection to um, a Saudi government uh, company 
Now, the name of the company is the Saudi Arabian Presidency of Civil Aviation. And Omar Al-Bayoumi has been uh, an employee since 1975, in which his uh, boss or his co-boss uh, uh, co is Hamid Al-Rashid. And Hamid Al-Rashid uh, had a business telephone number, which is redacted in the file. Um, but what's more interesting is that you have Hamid al-Rashid who has a son. His son is Saud Abdulaziz Saud al-Rashid. So when the FBI went to uh, collect these files and documents, which were in CD form, CD-ROM form, uh, regarding Omar al-Bayoumi in California, on one CD-ROM was basically a passport of Saud Abdulaziz Saud al-Rashid, the son of Hamid al-Rashid, and other passports of people who were involved with the September 11th, uh, 2001 terrorist attacks, um, including um, Khalid al-Madar, Salim al-Hazmi, and Abdul Aziz al-Amari. So basically what this shows is that we have a Saudi prince who has a son who has a, seems to be a connection to the 9-11 operation with these hijackers, in which is connected to a Saudi intermediary Omar al-Bayoumi, who once declared that he did not know Khalid al-Bidar and Wafahadmi, with these latest files, that is, of course, untrue. And the media basically ignored this. Just refresh my memory here. Omar al-Bayoumi, was he the one that met Khalid al-Bidar in a cafe somewhere? Or there was another intermediary, wasn't there? Which, yes. I'm getting well, confused between them. Right, no, no, you're close. Um, Omar al-Bayoumi, um, along with Kaysen bin, bin San, I, I think I'm saying his last name wrong, but they uh, went to a halal restaurant in Los Angeles. And according to Omar al-Bayoumi, he entered the restaurant and Khalid al-Midan and Wafa were already there. But according to bin, De, uh, bin San, uh, Kaysen bin San, he, he was also interviewed by the FBI and he told a different story, that they were in the restaurant and they were sitting down, and in came in Khalid al-Bidar and Wafahadmi. So I'm happy to, I think I'm going to believe uh, Bin San because um, what happens is, is that Omar al-Bayoumi has already lied about never, ever funding or giving anything to Khalid al-Bidar and Wafahadmi in that regards. But he said to the 9-11 Commission and the FBI, that he felt bad for these two men because they just entered the country. They speak very minimal English. And in return, he gave them uh, the use of his cell phone. He helped them get a driver's license. Um, he was the co-signer of the lease in which he paid the first two months, I think two or three months rent for them to live in. He threw a party for them uh, to get them acquainted in the neighborhood in San Diego. And I'm like, um, for, a, for a guy who went out of his you know, his way regarding two men, he has no idea who they are. Um, and to say that he does this with all Arabs uh, is a bit suspicious, if you ask me, because uh, at no point has he ever done that for anybody else. Yeah, he's either a nice, hospitable fellow who's helping out these two fellow Muslims, or he's their handler on behalf of some someone in the Saudi state. Yeah, well, I mean, if, like, remember, uh, in the beginning, he denied basically even knowing the two men. Right. But right. that came that came out later in the 9-11 commission report was he when the, they went to interview him. Was he the intermediary between 
Prince Bandar's wife, who was sending money to the hijackers. The Saudi Prince Bandar, oh, who was... And what was Bandar? Was Bandar the ambassador at the time? The Saudi ambassador to the US? No, oh, well, yes, he was. But the intermediary for that one was Osama Basnan. Right, right. And now I'm right. with you. And, and he, he was, yeah, he was a bit, yeah. Yeah, he was... By the way, he was also in the un, these latest cashier files regarding um, Osama Basnan and meeting a... Uh, um, an informant, a confidential, a confidential, a confidential informant, um, who basically uh, met with uh, Osama Bassan. I might as well just talk about this too, uh, because I think this is a huge um, a point in the in the file. In fact, uh, there was about eleven pages regarding this story about Osama Bassan meeting um, a Saudi operative in a park where he was outfitted with a recording device, uh, but we don't know the guy's name. Uh, so they mentioned him in the report as CW, confidential witness. And what happened was, was that he met him before 9-11 had even happened. So the month is even redacted. I think this happened sometime in the summer, but the report of this uh, confidential uh, witness uh, uh, recording um, was released on September 24, 2001 in a routine FBI uh, uh, information file. So a lot of it's redacted, but what, what I got out of it was, was that this confidential witness, CW, I'm gonna name as, met with Basnan in a park, um, and that Basnan alluded to the fact to him that there were uh, people that he knew that were going to be involved with the 9-11 operation, and that there was gonna be an attack inside the United States. Um, but before he can implicate himself and name names or what they are going to do, he like cut short the conversation or he just misdirected. Um, what happened was, was that Basnan talked for like a good hour with the individual CW and that he appeared to indicate that he had uh, knowledge of the terrorist training of these people in general. Um, the only thing we don't know is what names he was naming because it's redacted in the report. Um, but he knew, but it seems like he alludes to knowing more than what he gave to the FBI and when they interviewed him. And it seems like that's a consistent finding with the Saudi uh, operatives inside the United States that met with the hijackers like Omar al-Bayoumi, Osama Basnan, uh, Fahad al-Tamari, uh, and uh, Mouis said, Al Jara, who has no relation to Saudi 9-11 um, uh, 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 hijacker pilot Ziad Jara. And all these people basically um, either, well, the 9-11 commission basically found Fahad Al-Tamari deceptive throughout the interview. Uh, the FBI found that Omar Al-Bayoumi was basically covering up like how much more he knew about Khalid Al-Bernard and Wapa Azmi. Osama Basnan basically is a far more militant person than the both of them, and basically just uh, lied straight out to the FBI. Uh, now, with these latest cache of files, it's no longer the case that, well, who can we believe? Like, do they, are they telling the truth? It's now, you know, this is now full-fledged uh, evidence that they're Saudi operatives, Osama Basnan especially, and Omar Bayoumi, who knew these people and probably knew even more and directly funded them. And with Osama Bastan, even knew what they were up to. 
Elmar Albuyumi, we still don't know whether he knew more than what Khalid Al-Midar and Wapa Hasbi told him, but he can no longer deny that he was helping them inside the United States with additional funding. Now, go back to your point about um, you, former U.S.-Saudi ambassador uh, Bandar bin Sultan. Bandar bin Sultan's wife, Haifa bin Faisal, had a, uh, a, an account at Riggs Bank in which some monthly deposits that lasted, I think, 14 months, this is according to the FBI Pentagon report, that these payments between $3,000 to $5,000 were going to another woman named Moida Dwijak, who is the wife of Osama Basnan. And Basnan gave that money to Khalid al-Bin al-Hazbi. And so there's this uh, indirect approach to it. Uh, the uh, the uh, excuse that um, Osama Basnan gave was that these payments were going to an operation, um, Moida Dwijak's operation, and something to do with hair, I think. I, I don't know specifically, but I mean, uh, we can already uh, suggest that this, this money was going to Khalid al-Bin al-Hazmi monthly. Yeah, because that's that's what um, uh, Prince Bandar said as well, isn't it? That his wife would fund various Saudi people when they needed things in the US as a kind of act of charity. But do we have a clear trail that the money ended up with the 9-11 hijackers? That is the only clear uh, financial trail, Besides, other other than, say, Mustafa al-Hassawi, who is currently in Guantanamo, um, who has been labeled as a financier to the Hamburg cell. That's Mohammed Atamal and al-Shee and Ziad Jara. Um, and also Ramzi bin al-Sheikh, who acted as a financial courier and a messenger because he couldn't get inside the United States. And he's actually labeled, um, charged with that as well. But I, I'm I'm convinced that there's other forms of funding that were coming in. It can't be just Mustafa Hasnawi and Ramzi bin al-Sheib and, you know, stopping at Osama Basnan, because according to 9-11 Commission report, the entire operation costed somewhere between $500,000 and $550,000 in total. And that's you know, half a million dollars. And I'm talking about $3,000 or $4,000 payments monthly. That's not going to get it done. Even if it's 14 months, that's about, what, fifty. Uh, $48,000, $52,000. So where's all this additional funding coming from? Uh, we still don't know. Um, there are still in these redacted files, uh, some names uh, that have been not been illuminated. So I, what I think happened here was that the Biden administration basically wanted Saudi Arabia to, pro- to export more oil and Crown Prince bin Salman re- refused. And in other words, Biden said, well, what if we release more files suggesting your compliance and your um, your involvement with the 9-11 attacks? And it just came out conveniently when they, the U.S. delegation visited bin Salman in Saudi Arabia. It does seem like a coincidence, doesn't it? But you're saying there's not been much pickup in the media from this at all, or any no, kind of media. It, it has been on. To me, this is the most shocking part, because we this is for the first time we have direct involvement with Saudi Arabia and the 9-11 attacks. And the media basically um, did not report this other than that small uh, newspaper and maybe a mention in Al Jazeera. Uh, I think what happened was with the release of these files, the State Department and the FBI, who are basically still covering up Saudi complicity in the attacks, uh, didn't basically want this to be 
rather polarized in the media itself because we might pay attention to the bigger problem is that, oh, we have foreign involvement, especially with the intelligence services and government regarding the September 11 attacks. And also that that must have been known for 20 years now. This is not a new thing they've just discovered. No, it's not. And by the way, the FBI knew about this too, because these are the files that are coming from the FBI and you know they're redacted. So, I mean, the FBI has to play some part in this as well, because you know they have to go through them to unredact the, the files. And whether they, they're doing this because of state secrets or national security, uh, we, don't, we still don't know. Um, but we're still not getting told the whole truth. I mean, this is some, but it's not the whole truth. I think that's the problem with the, um, with the State Department and other areas of the intelligence services like the FBI, CIA, NSA. You know, how much more do we, do we not know regarding September 11, 2001? And if, if we don't know much, why is it that we don't know much? What are they hiding? I think that's what needs to be brought to the table. But as long as you have a public divided upon fringe conspiracies and whether you know the official narrative is right or uh, you know there was some inside job, of, so to speak, um, as long as we're fighting internally, um, we're never going to get to the the uh, the truth of the matter. There is a movement to. Go to, from family members, I think, to go down this Saudi Arabia route, isn't there? And I think Ken Williams, who you interviewed, is involved in it. And I'm, I'm not sure I might be misremembering this now. Have you interviewed other people involved in the, the pursuit of the Saudi angle of 9-11? Yeah, um, well, I mean, Mark Rossini, of course, uh, from Alex Station. Um, Ken Williams, the Phoenix Memo. Uh, Colleen yeah, Rowley. but more, more than that, Adam, Ken Williams is actually involved in pursuing, uh, with a group pursuing legal action against Saudi oh. Arabia, isn't he? Oh, yes, that's right. I, I, uh, yeah, that's right. In fact, this is an important part because I think when I interviewed Ken Williams near the end, he basically told me something that uh, was shocking to me at the time because he was retired. He's retired. And what happened was he went um, to meet with uh, the lawyer of Creedler and Creedler. And I think his name is Ken Creedler. Uh, I'm, don't quote me on that. But he met with them. And while he was doing this, the FBI reached out to Ken Williams and said, don't assist them in the civil litigation against Saudi Arabia. And this was, I, I, when he told me this, I was floored. I said, you know, I can understand if he was still employed with the FBI, he was not. And for them to, to say that of him, and he basically rejected, he, he refused and went and helped with Creedler Creedler anyway, uh, because he said he had a moral duty to do so. Um, why would the FBI basically want to cover up and protect Saudi Arabia and not protect the citizens in which they're uphold to protect in the first place, right? I mean, that only makes sense. And I, I, I just, because I hear this from other FBI whistleblowers, and there are, you know, Robert Wright Jr., uh, Mark Rossini, Colleen Raleigh, Ken Williams, I, I can name Doug Miller, I, so many, but yet they're superiors in each state, like Minnesota, uh, Phoenix, New York, all basically either totally ignored what they had to say previous to 9-11, or even worse, that they intentionally ignored this information for whatever reason. If that's the case, then that means that would make sense to why the United States and the FBI basically still want to cover up 
Saudi involvement because if the Saudis are involved and they're inside the country, then that means at some point, either some of the intelligence apparatus like the NSA and the CIA intentionally withheld information from the FBI and State Department regarding their involvement with 9-11. And guess what? That's the case. Why? Because at least we have some evidence that the CIA basically withheld intentionally information from the FBI and even the State Department about the hijackers being inside the country in the first place. Well, there is that story, isn't there? I went to get my copy of The Watchdogs Didn't Bark off the shelf um, before doing this interview, and I've misplaced it. It's, this is a problem with physical books. You know, if I was on the mic, Kindle, I could just type it in, but there you go, I can't find it. But there's a story um, in there about when the Saudi delegation arrived after 9-11, there were FBI agents ready to go on the plane and start arresting people, and they were told to stand down. That order came from, well, according to uh, the FBI uh, and Richard Clark, he went on record, and in his book, Against All Enemies, and I think that's also in Raina Lewiski's book, uh, that the order came right on top, meaning Bush, okay? Now, in the days after 9-11, there was a stand down regarding air, airlines taking off and there was a national strike of uh, planes uh, on the airline industry. So they couldn't fly. So with that happening, Bandar bin Sultan had a, a meeting with the top levels, Bush, Cheney, uh, Condoleezza Rice. And uh, there's a picture of this on the White House podium, whatever. And they're talking. And according to, I think it's Vanity Fair, wrote, wrote an article about this, according to the reporter Vanity Fair, that it's not particularly known what they were talking about. But right after that meeting, the FBI got orders from on top that there were certain Saudi delegations in Kentucky, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, that had Saudi princes that were um, I think they were uh, because they owned horses in the United States and they had like uh, some of them went to Massachusetts, I think, MIT, University of Boston College as well, and the Bin Laden family who lived in Massachusetts. They were all told to fly out of the country because George Tenet, the DCI, Director of Central Intelligence, uh, went to Richard Clark and basically said that, you know, in the aftermath 9-11, the American public are basically going to subject the Saudis as being, you know, the only ones involved with 9-11. And so he wanted to fly safely all the uh, Saudi princes out of the country because Tenet was actually friends with some of them. And Clark agreed regretfully. But he said, I want to interview the people who are, you know, additional uh, I want additional information from these people. And basically what happened was they all got on the plane and the FBI basically uh, some of them uh, basically didn't allow for additional uh, interviews and they all flew out of the country. It doesn't seem realistic, Adam, does it? I mean, I understand there were waves of violence against Arab-looking people after 9-11, but you wouldn't think the kind of people at the high end of society would be the ones that have to fear from that. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I still... I mean, it's really, it, it, do, what else do you need, right? What else do we do we need to involve, like say the Saudi, I, you know, in other words, there's more involved, there's more evidence of Saudi involvement than say Israel for, for now, even though I, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot more that we don't know about Israel because no concentration 
is directed toward them. Uh, for now, it's basically Saudi Arabia. And I think the only reason why is because the only link we have with Saudi Arabia is oil. Culturally, we have nothing in common with them. We can't say that about Israel. Israel, because uh, we have a large Zionist organization in the United States. That's the Evangelical Christians, the biggest Zionist movement in the world. Uh, they're a big voting bloc. Um, and they are basically connected with the State Department through the Liberty University, uh, the Pentagon. Um, you don't see like radical uh, Wahhabists in like uh, the upper levels of say the military or the State Department, but you do have dual Israeli citizens in, in government. Uh, however, the, the evidence show, showing Saudi Arabia itself is covered up at the same time by not just the FBI on orders of the State Department, but also from the intelligence services like the NSA and CIA. Now, wh what do they have outside of the FBI? Now, I, I would submit to you, they probably have more. The FBI basically covered up for the Saudis after the fact. I'm talking about before the 9-11 operation, because before the, before the operation, remember, and I've said this before repeatedly, that the CIA and the NSA intentionally withheld information from the FBI, as well as the State Department, regarding al-Qaeda operatives inside the United States. And because of that, the FBI couldn't know. Why? Because anything inside the country is the jurisdiction of the Department of Justice, the FBI. So what the CIA and NSA didn't want was FBI agents trailing these people and maybe interfering with the operation. Now, there's the real question. Why? According to the CIA, it's basically because they wanted uh, to have two informants in Al Qaeda. But that well, that's, that's make not sense. according to the CIA. The CIA have not said anything about it, have it? That's a speculation by Richard Clark as the only right, reason right. he could conceive of is why. But that, that also is echoed by Mark Rossini, I think. So, um, but that's, yeah, I, so that's true. Again, he's an FBI guy in the CIA. I don't think anyone, even the people he knows at the CIA, ever said that was the reason to them. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think anyone ever confirmed it it's no it's a, see that's a thing this uh, because it doesn't first of all it doesn't make sense okay if you're going to pick like an informant inside al-qaeda why don't you try ziad jar for example he spoke english so did muhammad atta and so did marwan al-shay guess who didn't speak english khalid al bidon so if they were going to be informants for the cia the cia under their own uh admittance that they didn't have arabic speakers or a lot any of them anyway the fbi only had one that was ali Sufar. And so they complained, both agencies complained that they didn't have Arab linguists. And if they didn't have Arab linguists, what's the case of having two informants who can't speak English? So that's why it always bothered me about that, that uh, idea that they were trying to turn them as informants. Um, why don't you just go to the, uh, the general intelligence directorate in Saudi Arabia, the intelligence service there, and basically involve them in the operation and say, hey, listen, can, we, can you get somebody in the camps in, in Afghanistan and have them as informants. I mean, it's so easy for them to do it. You know, Egypt, and we spoke about this before. Well, yeah, we have, yeah. And we were just saying recently, when, when Mohammed al-Salahi was interviewed by Jordan Peterson recently, he just casually mm. dropped that there were informants in the camps around bin Laden, and that's how it got picked up, that his, um, what was his, his relative, his cousin or whatever, had called him from bin Laden's satellite phone then. Yeah, it, you know, Again, like we, we still don't know a lot of information about pre 9-11 and it's so much is uh, hidden away in the National Archives. And the only thing that we do know about this is redacted in 
like say the uh, the 28 pages or the latest cache of files from the FBI. But this is but this is the FBI. What does the CIA? What does the CIA and NSA have? I mean, this, the NSA, according to Thomas Drake, the former senior executive of the NSA, he basically said no agency on the earth has more information about pre 9/11 than in the NSA. Yeah, and you know that's coming from from what two wiretaps, okay, Osama bin Laden's satellite phone, and that's from 1992 to 98, and the Yemen hub, that's from 1996 to 2001. Can you imagine what they were talking on that? Hmm. Oh my God! I, I mean. But nobody talks about this. Nobody. No. It's amazing. No. I just, I, I no, you know, in the 9-11 commission, okay, and the joint house inquiry, the director of the NSA, Michael Hayden, bail, I think he was asked maybe a total of three to four questions. Total. And I asked Thomas Drake this in Twitter. I messaged him once. And I said, why is that? And he says that the CIA agreed to fall on the sword regarding the investigations, but nothing was going to happen to them anyway. Hmm. But, you know, we can, we could turn them out and say, Oh, they're the bad guys. Meanwhile, you know, they intentionally withheld information from the FBI, you know, and they lied about it, too. You know, for example, George, they basically say about the, the cable that came in regarding the, the passports of Khalid Al-Badar and the Wafa Hosman. And he said that nobody read that cable. Meanwhile, mm. over 50 agents read it. Yeah. Yeah. So. OK, Adam, well, I think that we, we're going on to other things now. Uh, so maybe we'll, we'll cut this interview here. If there's any concluding uh, thoughts you have on, on the no, I mean, situation regarding the latest cache of files um i would suggest be oh, i mean we could link it to the bottom of the description of which we'll do um for you to read it's 510 pages long and a lot of it's redacted yes but the most important part of the um files itself are two instances and that's uh saudi financing to omar bayumi and i well, i wish I, I could tell you the page and because I didn't save the page number, I just took out the file and, you know, cut it out. And also Osama Basnan's meeting with a confidential witness in which Osama Basnan basically uh, alludicates to the confidential witness about knowing more about the operation and entailing what the operation is about to this informant before the operation even took place. Uh, even though a lot of that is redacted, but it does show that the Saudi operatives inside the United States knew more what was going to happen and funded directly to the 9-11 operation itself. They can no longer deny that that's the case. 